Hello, friends. If you celebrate Christmas, I hope you had a good one and enjoyed the holiday the best way you could. I had a great Christmas. Got a new rug that really ties the room together. A glorious neck back massager. Now my partner Tia and I make jokes about as we get older, we get gifts that helps increase our comfort. Socks, booze, massaging devices. So it's pretty cool getting old actually. Now speaking of comfort, I think I really enjoyed my vacation. I barely know what day it is. I know this episode comes out on a Saturday, the day after Christmas, but it's just all kind of crazy right now what day it is. I took some time off from doing radio shows, and they've been new every week all year long. So I have a new one that comes out on Tuesdays, a new one that comes out on Thursdays and Fridays. And so when I don't do those shows... I'm like, oh, I don't realize what day of the week it is. And especially since I'm not working in my real job, which pretty much anchors me into a calendar. So this has been great. It's been kind of nice to escape this pandemic. I don't watch a lot of news. I know it's still going on. And if I have to go out and about, yes, I still mask up and all that. Now, today's guest is Andrew Woodhouse. I barely know his first name because I generally call him by his last name, like lots of dudes do. I think it's a sports thing. You know, jerseys mostly have an athlete's name on the back, so you can praise or critique them as a fan. So, like, nice hit. You know, John Smith, you got it? You, got it? you feel what I'm saying? So, Woodhouse talked about a side of his life that I was unaware of that may have kept him in Laramie for over 30 years now. I don't want to give you more away. Let's get to the interview. I was born outside of Washington, D.C., actually. Um, and my dad was in the military. So I kind of moved around a lot as a kid. Um, but he retired from the military when I was about 12. Oh, wow. And he's from Wyoming. So he retired back to here, uh, Laramie specifically, uh, where he went to college here in the 50s. So I could see where that would bring one back. Yeah, yeah. So did your parents meet in D.C. area? Is that how? Uh, my mom's actually still a German citizen. Okay. Uh, she met my dad when he was serving there um, in like the 63, 64, 1963, 64-ish. Okay. Um, yeah. And then they got married and traveled all around. And then I was born, you know, 10 years later. So, so are you the only child? Do you have siblings? No. I've got one older sister and she's 10, year, 10 years older than me. So like they kind of got married, they got married, had a kid, then traveled around, then you came along. Sure. I mean, you know, the life of a military man, I mean, I think they yeah. moved like every two to five years, you know. Where so, were some of the places you ended up living as a kid? Uh, not too many because I was at the end of my dad's career. So I was born outside of D.C. Uh, we lived down in Colorado Springs for about five years. Uh, we moved to Hawaii. When I was a little kid, uh, second and third, no, first and second grade, uh, I was, yeah, Return of the Jedi. That came out. I remember that. And then uh, we lived in Germany uh, in my mom's hometown, actually. 
for two years and then uh, moved moved to Laradice where I've been my my the my rest of my life. And so moving from Germany, uh, what you said you were around ten years old? Is that correct? Yeah, around ten. I'm trying to think. Yeah, when we moved here, so yeah. kind of big shock. I know when I moved to Laramie, it was a huge shock to go. Um, yeah, uh, certain things were definitely a huge shock. Um, I don't know. I I went to schools where like I was probably like one of like five white kids in my school. Yeah. So like I listened to like hip hop specifically yeah. early '80s hip hop in the early '80s, and I moved here. And people had no idea what the hell I was talking about. Uh, there used to be a record store up across from the dorms, like where Mellow Yellow is and Subway and oh, stuff yeah. and that thing. Um, I might find like a UTFO record if I was lucky, you know, I don't know. It was that that's the one thing in my 40s that I, I remember specifically about about moving here. I agreed. I moved to the <laughs> suburb of Portland, Oregon. Uh, my locker roommate, locker mate, we had shared lockers in seventh grade was a black kid. And it's funny because I was more into hip hop than he was. I was Beastie Boys running DMC. It was, it was coming along in my world. And I can't yeah. right. um, But it was interesting. And yes, we were very, um, all sorts of mixed races across the board growing up in Portland there. And then I moved here and I was like, what happened? I mean, and it was a lot more Hispanic culture in Laramie. Yeah, yeah. Where I lived in Oregon, where the Hispanic culture was day laborers, was, was migrant workers and such. So they really weren't in the school district as much as like here, where a lot of like the railroad and the history of Laramie comes through a lot of Hispanic families and such. And so it was a different change in culture. Yeah. And I was kind of like, where are all the black kids? And yeah, definitely. They, there were not that many. Uh, maybe one per grade, as I like to say. We got we yeah. a token, as I like to call it, the one per grade. Yeah. I make jokes with my black friends here from Laramie. I'm like, God, that must suck that you were that one for the grade. <laughs> I get away with anything because yeah. you, you know, if someone it was a black kid, All right, whatever. So yeah, it was definitely a shock, and I was in that same boat with you as hip hop. I was a huge hip hop fan, and when I got to Laramie. It's six months, eight months behind the world, it felt like, because there's no internet. And yeah. so like you said the record stores and everything, you're searching through stuff and you're like, I can't find anything. Or it's edited. Or yeah. at my age, our ages, they're like, we're not going to sell to you because now it's adult parental lyrics and stuff. And so running it maybe some of that sometimes. Luckily, my mom had a friend that ran a record store eventually here. So I was okay with a lot of stuff. But I, I kept on going. That's not how they did it in Oregon, you know. A lot in my yeah. head. My, my my dad, he was my dad's aunt was anti censorship for sure. So I remember when the sticker with the stickers came out, he was like, he took me down to the record shop. I was like, this is my kid. Anytime he comes in, he can buy whatever he wants. You know, yeah. so pretty that's, fair. That's good. I don't know if my mom. My mom was like, whatever. Yeah, I guess with the record store owner, she kind of was like. He's going to get it anyway. He'll figure it out. So might as well let him not get harassed. So I went to the same place and she always sold parental lyrics. I remember the first couple CDs I had, like I was a hip hop fan. And my mom was like, okay, I wanted to get you some, but I did not sure. CNC Music Factory is the first CD <laughs> I ever bought. Yeah. Like bought me a CD player, bought me CD, CNC Music Factory, bought me the doors, which I'm a big fan of. And then she's like, go buy your own. CDs and my first purchase CD 
NWA, 100 Miles and Running. She hated it. She hated every time I played it, that CD. And so, but yeah, music was a big part of when I moved to kind of get, feel like I was back home again in Oregon, here in Wyoming. And everything was kind of clicking. It's being, sucks being a new kid again. Yeah. So you're, you're coming in fourth, fifth grade and everything. Yep. Fifth grade. Yeah. Fifth grade was my first year here. Were you into activities? Like, were you all about sports? Were you all about school? Were you all about music? Um, I think at that age, I was kind of slowly trying to figure out what I wanted to do, what I was kind of good at, you know, um, definitely, definitely played basketball. Wasn't, wasn't that great. Yeah. Um, loved baseball at that age for sure. Played lots of baseball and, uh, played soccer, you know, with my mother being German, wow, I definitely that's... grew up playing some soccer, some, some foosball. So it I mean, in Oregon it's huge too. Soccer was, yeah. I played it first through fifth grade. It was reasonable. I kicked the field. I had a good leg. So they would stick me in goalie or stick me up forward because I could just crank it past any sort of goalie. Or if we got in hot water, I could just kick it up way upfield. Yeah. I quit soccer to watch cartoons. Saturday morning, but didn't (laughs) that I wanted to be a wrestler and wrestle, which that was the dumbest thing. I hated wrestling after a while and did only did it for a couple of years. Stupid. Not my idea of a good time rolling around with another. So I do now it takes a lot of, Physical prowess <laughs> is tough stuff, but just wasn't for me. I'd rather be hitting somebody in football or skin or something. Yeah. Wrestling wasn't my kick. So you're trying to figure, how about academic wise school? Um, yeah, I always kind of, I started to gravitate more towards like history oh, wow. or social studies types classes. Um, science. I always liked science was never really like, didn't do well in those classes by any means, but I just, I've always been fascinated with it. Um, yeah, school was kind of, kind of a struggle, you know, mostly just cause it was like boring more than anything, I guess, yeah. you know, in hindsight. So your older sibling, 10 years. Yep. Where you guys were like, I have six years difference between my older sibling and I, and I'm 11 years older than my younger sibling. Um, is it like another parent to you? Is it, eh. Yeah, more so like a parent uh, yeah. than a sibling for sure. Because I mean, I was eight and she was going off to college. Yeah, you know. So and then uh, she was she went to UW. Oh, and so when we moved here, she was already here and was already established. So like, I'd get rides from her and all of her friends, you know, and kind of saw a little little uh, different side of, of college besides school. At, yeah. you know, the age of 10. So, yeah, I, I was definitely spent a lot of time with my older sister, but she developed her own reputation. And I, next thing I know, I'm just Rochelle's little brother. Yeah. Not me. And, and so I spent a lot of time, especially in Oregon, breaking that. Um, I, I was Justin. She was the original rude. She is the original one. Her coach, her she had a coach in track who called her rude first. Then I came along and played football for him, and I was instantly, oh, you're rude, little brother. Rude. Then I moved to Wyoming, did not go by the nickname, and somewhere sophomore year or so, Mark Ruggles 
deemed it upon me. My last name is just too hard to say. Yeah, you guys, all you for you football players, all had like nicknames. Yeah, you know, it was too hard to say <laughs> out for people, so they just were like, "Flash screwed." Nope, now you're rude. And I was like, I didn't even tell one soul here that I was first called rude back in Oregon. So, but I was blazing my own trail. They didn't know my older sister. They didn't know anything. So it was nice to move to Laramie and have a clean kind of slate and that teacher expected anything out of me. My older sister was an amazing student and amazing artist and such. And I get in their class and they're like, you're not the same. And I'm like, I know I'm not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so it was different. And so you're lucky. I mean, 10 years apart, you don't quite get that, but at least you got a, a look into college life a little bit. At least she acknowledged you and took you around and such. Uh, my yeah, sister I was like, man, these people drink a lot of beer. Good <laughs> Lord. I remember saying that when I was like that age. I was like, yeah, man. I would think the same thing. My little sister definitely got exposed to a lot of that. I had a New Year's Eve party. Uh, and let's see, she was probably uh, eight or nine, but I had a babysitter's house across the street and I had to bring her home by a certain time, but not everyone was cleared out of my house. And yeah. It was interesting. And she's like, people just walk into my room. And I was like, I'm sorry. Gee, yeah. You know, mom and dad, but they already knew I had people over. And I was already in college, so it wasn't that big of an issue. But yeah, she got exposed to my drunkenness here and there along the way because that definite age difference and such. And I, But I also think she was like, I can't wait to get to that level of you, of partying and such when I'm an adult. I don't know if I was that way. I didn't notice it when my older sister was doing it when I was younger at all, but yeah, so I was blazing my own trail. So growing up here in Laramie, sisters in college, you're new, um, you're playing some soccer. Uh, when it, You're kind of a tall guy. When did you hit your growth spurt? Oh, man. Um, probably like definitely in junior high. Yeah. Um, probably eighth grade, maybe seventh, eighth grade. Yeah. You know, and then I, I feel like by the time I was like a sophomore, junior in high school, I was done growing. Yeah. Time, so. About, so, yeah. About the same. And I got recruited for football and every coach was like, I thought you're taller. I was like, oh, it's not, it's not happening. Yeah. Um, so I was pretty much right there. And so I was like, I get stronger, but I'm not getting taller. And I never got that. I always thought six, two would have been good. Never got those three extra inches. I always wanted. Yeah. Uh, but it's paid off. I always thought, cause I noticed with all you tall folk out there, you got to buy taller clothes. You got a duck under shit. Duck like, under shit. Yeah. yeah you, you never, you never, you always hear people say, you know, Hey, can you reach out there and grab that for me? <laughs> Nobody ever asks a short person, Hey, you're little. Can you crawl in there and grab that? Can you crawl in that little hole? You know, my girlfriend, you know, Tia, she's about a foot shorter than me. I actually do pull that kind of stuff. I'm like, well, yeah, oh, you little. <laughs> for me. And we put to in our washing machine together, and, or not washing machine, a dishwasher machine together and installed it into the cabinet and everything. And I'm just my fingers and just, just body size. I just can't fit in some places. So I was like, yeah, come on, help me out. And yeah, we work well together. Uh, I, I definitely put all the stuff on the high shelves that she never wants to get to. And, uh, but then we'll be in the kitchen together and she's like, grab that. And I never thought I was so tall. 
but she makes me feel tall when I grab well, things, there you go. things down. So it's good. So now you're you're in junior high and such, uh, trying out sports, academics. You're bored with academics, which I struggled at them just because I was behind being left-handed. I had to mirror everybody, so I'm not sure like writing and spelling and stuff. I was always a step behind because I was like, "How are you doing it over there?" Because I didn't oh, know. Yeah. True. And the teachers didn't know how to teach that way. And so it was a struggle there, but I enjoyed all the other classes like science and history, I think appealed to me a lot. Um, not necessarily the George Washington kind of stuff, but the, the extra parts of it, everybody knows those things, but the extra parts of history that are interesting. Learning about like the electoral college from Mr. Lowendorf in high school. Yeah. And I, first time I heard about it, I was like, this is dumb. This is the dumbest thing I ever heard of. I was like, every other thing's decided on a popularity vote. Yep. Why is this the most crucial job in the world decided with electoral? It just didn't make sense to me. And I was punk ass 16 year old. So that, and science is science. I, once you understand science, it's kind of fascinating. It doesn't mean I was in physics or anything like that, but yeah, it can be exciting. And so uh, you're tall, you're playing sports, you're in school. Uh, any other activities where, did you get into? Um, I don't know about any other activities. You know, I was a, a prep kid Okay. Uh, on campus. So like there's what, 12 people in my class uh, at the lab school on campus. And uh, every, single, every single one of us today, you're either a doctor, a lawyer, or you've been to prison. I mean, those are the kind of kids that went to prep, right? Like insanely smart kids or the kids that like got kicked out of the junior high and got kicked out of Rock River. <laughs> and like that was their last, last chance. So, I mean, we, we learned a lot of um, uh, interesting things. It was like a, almost a different, uh, different school that you went to hanging out with some of those kids <laughs> for sure. Almost a... a game-changing moment in my life. Uh, I almost went to prep in eighth grade and was going to give up football. And thank God I didn't. And it's Yeah, like, you wouldn't have been able to play football. Yeah. I, parents, friend or something was like, no, make him go, he should go to junior high. It's just fine. He'll be able to play football. And, and it was back on. But there was a moment in time where my, I was going to go to prep and it just didn't happen. But I always think about that. I was like, wow, I wouldn't have started or maybe not even played football at all. And everything that would have sucked missing out about two years i would have gotten back into it i liked it a lot um but yeah that was interesting i, I got into were you into like comics or skateboarding or anything like that? uh skateboarding for sure back in the day yeah. um video games obviously the yeah. nintendo i mean who didn't who didn't want to play a nintendo back then um and yeah other things uh girls definitely. yeah <laughs> girls they threw a wrench into the works right yeah. about 12 years old, 13 years old. We, I remember it was yeah, from sixth to seventh grade in Oregon. It was so different. We started having parties, like seventh grade house parties. And, and, and it, it was it playing spin the bottle, truth or dare. It was interesting. And to think, and then moving here, and I think I got became friends with with guys that were a little more advanced in the world of girls 
and some fast girls were out there and they were friends and that was just quicker than my style. And so, uh, yeah, I wasn't quite ready in the eighth grade to have any more than like hand holding, maybe a kiss. Yeah. They were way beyond that. And so that was like one of my initial like memories and being in Laramie and such going, wow, I didn't make good friends right off the bat, but eventually that changes and such. And you get in enough trouble with those people and you're like, that's, not necessarily the road I want to go down and yeah knew my only way out of Laramie probably was athletic so I knew I had to limit my involvement with talking with police talk you know sneak out at night and stuff like that so yeah I I had the same experiences for sure you know um what did you sneak out at night I did at 12 13 um not out of my house because you know my dad was retired yeah. He was home all the time. You know, oh. and he had been an officer in the military. Okay, yeah, it was yeah. like fairly strict, not super strict, but um, yeah, you just, you, you didn't get away with squat with my dad. So I would have to like spend the night at people's houses, you know, pull that whole scheme. Yeah. yeah it was uh, just dumb stuff that I'm like really embarrassed by now as an adult. And like, if I catch my kids doing half of that crap, um, oh. I'm definitely going to, you know, string them up for sure. That's just, you know, stupid vandal, like dumb vandalism things, you know, not nothing super serious, but like, I don't know, running through campus, uh, professors would leave like graded papers outside of their office. We would just uh, take them and just like <laughs> chuck them out the windows or, you know, uh, half acre used to have these big globe lights out in front. I remember one night we went up there and broke a bunch of those just, just like being, being dumb. Like things that like now as an adult, I would yell at kids for if I saw them doing it. <laughs> gas caps. Yeah. We just take it. And next thing you know, we'd have pockets full of them and we just dump them randomly by trees, wherever. Yeah. And gas caps. One of like, my why? Friends, you know, like. So dumb. <laughs> one of my friends got caught eventually and uh, they found he was near where he like dumped a bunch of caps and so people just go over to that tree and be like oh this is mine and like i heard about that and i was like oh man why did we do that yeah i'd be so mad and i was like that's why uh our generation i'm not a parent or anything are such hover parents i think is because we were out there stealing gas caps and breaking shit now we got now keep the kids involved we got to keep on top of them so they aren't doing those stupid things that because well with me i had my parents were divorced and so at six years old I'm living with one parent. She's where my mom's working a ton, not a lot of child supervision. Yeah. And I think 12, 13, you're just bound to rebel, you know, at that age. And, and so they're probably like, Oh, he's such a good kid. And I totally caught him out of left field by doing half. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's dumb stuff that you look back and go, why did I do that? But my friend's getting caught. And then, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And it was just an about face. And I kind of became like straight edge. Like, I don't want to do anything. It will screw up me leaving Laramie because I was not a big fan of Laramie in the beginning at all. Uh, I thought the town was very clicky. It was hard to, you know, get in with friends and such until I I was like a senior in high school. And I was like, oh, you know me now? Yeah, because I'm good at football. Thanks, man. Where were you guys wanting to hang out? five years ago, four years ago. Yep. So it's still clicking. 
Yeah, I'm very bitter about that one for a while. And I, by the time I seen your book around, it was I had fun. Classes were easy. Uh, a girlfriend, a varsity football player. It was a lot better. And it made me not go, wow, this sucks. Because I ended up going to UW and had a kick-ass time. Didn't live at home or anything like that. So Larry got better. Were yeah. you, um, were you, did you write become a fan of Laramie or were you constantly going, Jerk, um, better? <laughs> I, I always wanted to get out of here too. Yeah. But then, um, over time, I just realized, um, I mean, I, I still have my moments of wanting to get the hell out of here, but it's to me, I, I don't know, I'm a really outdoorsy person. Okay. I love the fact that I can jump in a car and drive 10 minutes and be on public land and really not not run into anybody for hours, you know, days even sometimes, um, depending on where you go. Um, and, you know, we're close to Denver, so it's not like we're completely in some, like, abyss of nothingness. Um, yeah, you know, um, it, it took a while for Laramie to grow on me, but not, now as I'm older, um, and I guess I've, I've experienced a lot of the world with my dad being in the military. Yeah. And even after that, that just kind of uh, let me travel. Um, so I, I don't know. I feel like I've, I've seen a lot of the world. There's a lot of places I want to go. There's a lot of places I want to go again. But, um, you know, Wyoming's my home as far as I'm concerned. My, my, I mean, my family came here in the 1800s. So I'm like, oh, I want to be here. I like it here. Uh, so high school. Um, high school. Yes. <laughs> What's high school for you? Um, I wouldn't go back. You know, <laughs> like, like my wife, my wife graduated from here six years after me, yeah. and she she loved it. She had a great time in high school. Um, the only the only two things I really liked about high school were uh, running cross country and playing basketball. I mean, those were the only things that like got me through. Um, wasn't a big fan of any. I mean, I had a few classes that I liked. Um, yeah, you know. We made some really good friends, but it's definitely like I dreaded waking up in the morning and, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know. Had, yeah. had some good moments, but, you know, def definitely would not go back. <laughs> like I, I tell people like a lot of people are like, oh, since I played football, oh, I, should, you, I wish I would have played football. I was like, no, it's cool. Be glad you didn't. You don't sound like a popcorn machine. You know, like you made other choices and they're like, oh, I didn't go to my prom. And I'm like, so? No big yeah. I was like, no I went to home and I probably, my prom dates are cool and everything, but I was like, if I wouldn't have gone, I probably would still be a happy, well-adjusted person. That, you know? Yeah. I only, so, I only went to one prom throughout yeah. high school. Um, and it, it wasn't from like lack of not asking people or people asking me. I just did not want to go. So I went my senior year. Yeah. Um, junior, senior. And, yeah. and I, I mean, I'm almost probably didn't go my senior year, but I did. and I had fun and everything. But like I tell people, if you missed certain things, don't worry. Don't let it eat you up, especially if we went to Laramie High School. And I know that experience. And so, yeah, it was, uh, it was okay. I, I wasn't there for to the academics. I didn't understand like making my mind a better thing in high school by any means yeah. or bashing my body against stuff at the time. And so uh, I, and, but I got into like marketing and I was president of DECA and, and, and so by the time, like 
yeah, my, like I said, my senior year rolled out, like things were easier for me because I had set up the, it to be that way. And so I was like, oh, I actually enjoy being at school because it's easy. True. Because P for life, advanced P, a marketing. Yeah, class. P, like, there yeah. you go. Yeah, I'm a TA. Yeah. I'm a TA for a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> I was in a science class and my lab partner was Stephen George and he went on to I think yeah gymnast right yeah yes before you and he was super smart yes and so like lab partner so we got A's not like I, I didn't contribute but it helped being his lab partner and so things were easy at the time of my senior year but yet I want to get out of Laramie and so I applied for the schools. I went and got recruited. Did was UW going to be your thing since you had eighteen? You know, bunch of generations went there and everything. Um, well, my dad was the first person in my family to go to college ever. Um, but I mean, I kind of wanted I wanted to play basketball in college. Um, but my grades weren't the best in the world. Um, so I, you know, I had a couple schools look at me, and there were like some uh, NAIA schools. Uh, a couple of them right outside of Chicago. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I wound up just not not going and just going to UW. And, uh, you know, it took me a long time to, to get through college then uh, you know, at that point. So. <laughs> yeah, I got recruited. I went to a couple schools. And like I said, they were all like, I thought you were taller. Here's your teammate. And I'd be like, holy shit, you're tall. Yeah. And I'm like, big dudes. Yeah. I don't know if this is going to work. And so at the time when I went at the UW, all you had to have is a, uh, a Wyoming uh, graduate degree, like just had to graduate yeah. high school. Yeah. No test scores or anything. So it was kind of like last second, like I applied and was in. And, but yeah, it was kind of disappointed that I didn't leave here like I thought I would. But also, that's when I started making some of my best friends. Uh, Ray and Ty and stuff. So it was easy to be like, ah, I'm glad I'm not at the University of Oregon or some school getting my brains beat down playing football and not knowing a soul starting over again without knowing a soul again. So it was nice to be here in Laramie. Um, I did try to go out and make friends beyond who I knew in high school by chance, but that took a few years. Uh, so you clearly went to UW. Did you know what you wanted to uh, major in once you got into college? Um, yeah. So when I started out, I wanted to be a, like a history teacher or just get a degree in history. Yeah. Um, so I started out that path. And um, like a lot of kids, not a lot of kids, but I'm sure you know a fair share of kids. Um, I didn't do so hot my first couple semesters in school. Um, which eventually led me just to completely drop out of college entirely and just uh, work and hang out. Um, it's when I met a bunch of uh, archaeologists. Okay. I was like, I'm going to switch my degree to anthropology. You know, like you get to live in a van and drive around and go work. Yeah. That's what I want to do. Outside. Yeah, like, and be uh, outside. So it's so eventually you, what I wound up getting my degree in. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I understand that not doing well. And I wish, like, I would have gone to something that, gave, like, not the military, maybe Peace Corps, maybe AmeriCorps or something. But the first two years my out of high school, just 
to learn how to be yeah. adultish, I guess, um, and then go to school. Uh, I waste a lot of time, I waste some money in those first couple of years of college. My parents paid, so I always apologize to them for those. It was cheap as hell back then here too. I mean, yeah. tuition my first semester, I think was like 600 bucks for full time. Does that sound about right? Mid nineties? Yeah. Nine, less than a thousand dollars to yeah. go up, to take like 21 hours. To it be was, credits alone. But I lived, I lived in the dorms my for two years which oh, okay. was a glutton. The first year it was like, um, I had a roommate with some Germany. He was 21. So I was like, oh, but I had a fake ID. So it really didn't matter. And I met another guy from Laramie on the floor, which I kind of knew, but you know, we, you know, Laramie high school, we, 300 classes. Yeah. You know, everybody, but you don't know everybody. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. And so um, we ended up hanging out a lot, Travis Daniels and, uh and eventually his roommate moved out i moved in there but then it was just like laramie again and I, we were hanging out with more laramie people all the time and my roommate situation fell through for the next years in an apartment so i lived in the dorms again but i was by myself and i lived in a dorm room right by the stairs on a second floor mcintyre so i just prop open the door to the outside and inside and everybody did it on my floor. So we were always pretty conscious about it. We never had to go by the front desk and everything. Yeah, yeah. And I never really met a whole lot of people in the dorms because of that, because I knew Laramie folk already. So I didn't have like the horror story of the dorms or the, the oh my God, I met all my best friends there. Uh, it, I was like, it's a place to sleep. There were some interesting things that happened, but it was a place that, do you have to live in the dorms? I can't remember if that was a rule then. Uh, no, I didn't. I, I had an apartment off campus from, from the get go. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know when they instituted that rule, but, um, yeah, def definitely no dorm life for me. My mom and my parents worked at the university and she was like, you're going to go live in the dorms. Like, yeah, that was pretty much guaranteed. She's like, you're, we'll pay for it and everything. Just, you're not living at home. That's a different college experience. And I was like, okay. But I do remember I had a one o'clock curfew in high school. Yeah. Cause I didn't do anything. I didn't drink. I rarely ever pushed. Yeah. And I came home from college and I do believe my mom, as I was walking out the door one time was like, be home by one. And I just laughed. And I've never, I've never had a curfew in my life. I, I, mean, I laughed it off. And I think my little sister was like, you can do that. And I was like, no, you can't. Yeah. You know, I yes. can't. <laughs> I'm the man. I'm a man. You know, I was like, you can't laugh it off. And so I don't think she took too kind. She later had a curfew, but I think she'd always bring it up like, Justin had the one o'clock curfew. And my mom's like, yeah, he's a guy. <laughs> and yeah. so, interesting. Uh, so you had an apartment. So you're living the apartment life. Like that's, I got to do my laundry. Got Did you take home your laundry? Got to buy my groceries, all that stuff. No, I lived up on Crow Drive. Okay. Um, so you're familiar with that whole neighborhood up there. Uh, Crow Drive with John Clymer. He was he was my first roommate out of high school. And uh yeah, it was a huge, huge apartment, but we were both slobs. We were both it was bad. Taco Bell wrappers everywhere. It was it was bad. Yeah, I I was bad probably until as a roommate. I was not my bedroom was the worst, like common areas. I kept clean. So I and then I lived with football players in college 
and they were the dirtiest sons of bitches ever. It's gross, oh, sure. nasty. And I would clean up the house like as a favor to them. From and I was probably home more than him, so I clean up all the time. And they all chewed, like chewing tobacco. Nice. Yeah. Every time I kick one over, knock it over, I just go set it in their room. Be like, that's your shit to deal with. Hopefully, you don't punch me because you're twice the size as me. Like my football player, <laughs> two quarterbacks and two linemen, and they all were taller, bigger. Oh, than I'm sure, massive. Yeah. So the linemen, especially the quarterbacks, is hard to believe. Josh Wallwork and John Davis, and they were just six four, six five dudes. And yeah, if they really wanted to, they'd probably kick the shit out of my five ten ass. I mean, I was a lot bigger weight wise. Yeah. It was interesting because people, <laughs> you're the smallest guy in the house, and I was like, I not normally that smallest guy yeah yeah and so yeah a, a roommate did you guys throw like parties and stuff at that place or where is it like uh, no because john and i were both pretty straight edge okay. kids you know um i didn't i didn't really start partying and probably until like i moved out of that place all right and, uh, met a whole different group of uh derelicts from uh from sheridan Okay. And then, then one of my one of my best roommates of all time was a kid named Pat, who lives down yeah. in Colorado. He was from Colorado. He he liked to party. There you go. A lot. <laughs> so um yeah, I was kind of a late bloomer, I feel, in, in, in that department. But uh and I I did my fair share, that's for sure. So <laughs> I I went to Australia to play in the down under bowl right after high school and football. And it's became like everybody did this. I spoke to another guy that did it, uh, Travis DeWitt from Chauncey Williams, younger brothers, or drummer. Yeah. About like four or five years after me. But we all got fake IDs in Hawaii, like at the, almost the same spot, same type of IDs. We, I was talking about it the other day on the another show. And mine was from Oregon. And so I knew, I put down all information I knew about where I grew up so I could easily just rattle off. Yeah, yeah. But I also think I made myself 22 when I was 18 and I had a baby face. So it was kind of suspect a little bit here and there, but they didn't have the books in stores. Some places started getting them. So it was kind of like, uh, okay. And it worked. It worked better in bars when I realized it because it's the doorman, quick look, kind of go. Yeah. Liquor oh, yeah. Stores, a little more scrutiny. And so I had one of those. And eventually it just made its word around and Jeremy Wheatley, Ray White show up my dorm room and say, I heard you got a fake ID. Let's get a keg. And they've been best friends ever since. Oh yeah. We, did. we drove around <laughs> this keg from the house part. We called it keg on wheels. I don't know. We should do this drive drunk like that. But we would just take it to a house, charge money and somehow it get broken up or par like a parent would come home. Uh, I remember throwing over like a, a fence, the keg. I was like, man, I was strong back then. And uh, it was, yeah, I got into partying right, probably Australia, um, right in, like my, after my senior year. Um, I, my mom was disappointed because we're driving back from the airport. And she's like, I'm like, mom, I learned how to drink in Australia. And she's like, man, I used to preach it up that you were a non-drinker to all my friends. And I was like, sorry. But I was honest with like that. I think I was in a with used my fake ID with her at a bar one time. I think they might have done oh, that. There you go. Yeah. I got out real quick. <laughs> but I mean, 
she's like, at least I didn't get taken away. You didn't get arrested. And I was like, yeah, that's good. But so you're, you're moved out. You got some new friends from Sheridan. It's always those new friends. I had a bunch, I made a lot of friends from Buffalo. And so, yeah, they, yeah. Um, good friends at the time, but man, I, I definitely got into some, uh, some pretty good trouble with, with that group of people. Um, you know, involves some orange suits. Oh no. And, uh, yeah. Uh, a couple of uh, fun times, a little, you know, part of, part of being young is what, is what yeah. I'm going to go with. We had a, a brush with the law that involves softballs and I'm not going to go anywhere further down that story. That'll be in the movie. If I have to. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was probably one of the more dumbest things that, I think I did 19, 20 years old, that whole story. I'd tell you off the line, but uh, I mean, I'm not embarrassed by it, but I don't know if the other guys would be so, but yeah, if, if the interaction with police, um, that was probably the first time where I was like, I should really limit or maybe the second time since 13. I was like, I should really limit my interactions with police officers. Never things they seem to be able to go right with when they're around. So uh, try to learn my lessons there early twenties. Uh, I definitely in college did better in the spring than I did in the fall. There was football. I want to drink and party and everything. Yeah. But yet I started shooting video on the sidelines in the fall too. So that cut into, well, that just cut into my sleep patterns more because I'd still party. I just wouldn't sleep as much. And what was your, I mean, when did you first start working? Well, like job-wise, high school, college? Uh, college. Yeah. Uh, you know, summer jobs. Because like like you, my dad helped me pay for school. And he was like, I just want you to concentrate on school. Yeah. But I discovered, you know, partying. Yeah, um, yeah I definitely, you know, had some summer jobs with like UW. Uh, you know, either cleaning apartments, uh, painting, mostly at housing. Uh-huh. Which those apartments don't even exist anymore. Yep. They're all parking lots right there by uh, by the Bible War Memorial. Um, but yeah, you know, and then I've had lots of other jobs, you know, landscaping, mowing lawns, you know, working in plenty of kitchens in this town. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Just like service in industry or like construction type jobs while I was in and out of school. I think it took me about, I graduated 14 years after I graduated from high school. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm six, rated 10. Um, there are plenty of, I understand, um, being in and out of school because sometimes you want to work. Oh, yeah. Focus on school. Uh, oh, I totally understand. I There was between year four and five, I, I really, I think I'd gone and to New York and I'd worked at a summer camp and I'd saw the kind of the world, I saw New York. And I was like, I don't know if I want to go to school anymore. And I think I could do what I want to do without school. And that's work in video and TV and such. And, and then my mom was like, well, just take one class. How about two? And then next thing I know, I'm full boat back in it. Like she was sneaking yeah. about it. So, um, but like my first job, I kind of got around um, the service industry. Didn't really handle any sort of food. Ever, I worked at Lovejoy's as a DJ, but never yeah. carrying food. Um, I worked, I was going to start working at Hardee's and I was waiting on my uniform and Kmart called 
and was like, you want a job? And I was like, absolutely. I do not want to work at Hardee's. Yeah. <laughs> so I got, got, got out of that one. I had a landscaping job and it wasn't like the typical mowing lawn doing that. I was the owner's, I call it bitch. Sure. 15 years old. And so all the hard projects, he would take me and we'd pull out railroad ties. And you know, super strong around He's that. Like, age. You're a football player. You can lift yeah, that. Yeah. This is good summer yeah, training. Yeah. And my yeah. parents were like, yes, do that. Beat him up. He will do any, like, they were good friends with him. So it was one of those jobs where I learned go to work, bust my ass, come home, shower, eat, sleep, repeat, do it again yep. five days a week. And I never spent any money because I was so damn tired from working. And then I would go visit my dad in Oregon and blow on the money and everything because I'd go out there for a month or so. But I, and I'm not all of it because I'd save it for high school and such. But that was for, I learned at those ages that I didn't want to do those things. And I didn't. It led to like I worked in bars a ton, which was fortunate. If you're a drinker, yeah. you learn you, you get a job in the industry so you know how to pay for your, your alcohol after a while. Yeah, you do. Yeah. So I was a bouncer. Have you been a bouncer? Um, I mean, I checked IDs at the Ranger for a few years and bartended. Oh, there so, you go. Yeah. I don't ever remember having to like bounce anybody out though. I don't ever remember having to be physical. So I think there was other big, bigger dudes working there at the time. So. I did. I was, my first bouncing stuff was at Parlor, And I was. Parlor. There you go. I was a DJ too. So, um, and we kind of just worked out. I would in shifts. So like somebody else was DJ and I could be a, a bouncer. I didn't always volunteer for that. But there was one night where it's probably 15 people in there at most and mostly guys and this couple this guy cocks back and just slaps his girlfriend in the face in front of like 14 other dudes and we're all just like no like, shit yeah, like, <laughs> you know and so i grab him and i was like no 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 no, you can't do that in here and i'm getting him out the door and he's kind of trying to be you know what I what do you mean? What did I do? And I was like, you just hit your girl like right in the middle of the place. I should call the cops, like on you. Now I'm just sick. Yeah. You gotta go. And I think Ray got there right behind me and he pushes him. And you know, the butt parlor stairs. Those stairs, like, yeah. I killed him. I thought he landed awkwardly on the first platform. And I was like, oh shit, he's dead. You know, and he got up and he was like, Well, and I was like, don't come up those stairs don't come up those stairs that one and then um one night a couple marines um that we knew said the n-word to the football team and it was on and bottles were being broken and that sucked i had to jump out of the dj booth it was terrible and and i hated being a bouncer i hated it that's why i was like let me be a dj more because i could drink and not have to bounce people yeah my size they were like you can help and i'm like damn it I don't want to. Yeah, I was never a big fan of having to throw people out of the bar. Yeah. You know, in my days at the Ranger, you know, so. Yeah, and you probably at the end, I don't know if you worked many end of the night shifts there at the Ranger. I'm sure you had to deal with it. Oh, your yeah, yeah, yeah. With all, yeah, oh, yeah. There's was, there was some doozies in there, but that's what I'm saying. Like, mostly worked when, like, Big Brett was bartending. Oh, yeah. He loved throwing people around. So I, he would see what was going on, come over there, grab the dude, literally throw him out the door. 
and then I wouldn't hear from him again. So, I, drunk people are easy to maneuver when you're sober. Er, not gonna say yes, more sober than they are. I always think. Uh, I one guy I had to throw out of Wild Willies, and I think I bounced him off every pillar and door piece on the way out. You know, it was, I was just like, wow, that was pretty easy. Just going, wham, okay, you don't start a fight in my bar. Man, wild words. Yeah. Uh, I haven't great. heard that one in a while. <laughs> back. Uh, I do believe my last guest, she was like, you were a DJ there, and I'd come watch you play. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot I DJ there, too. And so I, I've hit them all. And so you're different job, you know, bar industry, but service industry. And then you said construction. Yeah. What'd you do? Like, did you work for a company or you like, a? Um, I've worked for a few like contractors here in town, you know, little one person, two person shows where, you know, you build anything from like bathroom remodels to yeah. uh, houses out of the ground, you know, so. I'm just, being a homeowner for the last 10 years, I'm learning. I'm learning. Yeah. I don't have the right tools ever. And learning more and more about, oh, I got to fix that. Let me study that. YouTube has been a... a YouTube ch- was tremendous for yeah. everybody. Yeah. And so I'm always uh, like, I'm a technology guy. And so those are that's more I excel in, in computers and technology and equipment and stuff like that. See, and, and that's what I have to use YouTube for uh, yeah. is the technology thing. Because like, I don't know, I grew up with like apple computers and stuff when i was a kid and my dad was really pushing that stuff on me um so i i know enough to be dangerous yes you know like i could probably be a fairly decent it guy but i don't have the credentials for it you know i got a youtube credential right does that count (laughs) yeah uh i grew up your app i was commodore commodore 64 oh yeah i had one of those too and that was probably lasted me through uh the beginning years in the Nintendo. Um, I didn't play a whole lot of Nintendo. I had the original Nintendo for maybe a year and then was into Sega and, and, yeah. and there. Um, just got a PlayStation 4 during the pandemic. It's the oh, greatest wow. I've ever made. I had a PlayStation 2 prior to that. And the 4 has like all your streaming stuff. It does so many things. And plus, you can down, like, oh, I want to buy that game. Oh, I just bought it download oh, yeah. my hands we got we got two of them in our house yeah so. And so i was my thing was uh i thought they were going to cancel the nfl so i was like if there's not going to be nfl i will play a season on madden for sure, sure. Once, on- once one game a week yeah there you go if i have mm-hmm. to but it didn't turn out that way but i still enjoy having it i've always been a video game guy but as i got older time spent on video games just wasn't always there or I didn't really like I had a PlayStation 2 for a long time and it got dust and I really didn't get it and then upgrading yeah I'd play this one more but yeah growing up video and it, I'm a broadcasting guy my I have a broadcasting degree how I got into IT is int- through video conferencing is how I got into IT True. I'm dangerous on the on the most like like you are, you say like, I can really screw up somebody's computer as far as like programming or deleting files and such. I know how to n- navigate around a computer and where to look for things and to find things. Um, I don't have a, any credentials in it. 
So I'll, I'll definitely pass you on to somebody that does, but I know what to do with my own equipment. I'm yeah, more yeah. plugging in, set up your stereo system, set up your home entertainment system, um, four monitors, whatever, all that stuff. That makes sense to me. I'm always like, there's only one spot for this plug to go. Like that all clicks in my head. Yes. And then editing video and doing podcasts and music shows and stuff. That's where I'm at. But yeah, doing like saws and cutting stuff and doing drywall. Learning that all now is always so much fun. <laughs> you know? And backyard, like everybody worked on, seemed like home projects this year, if they were home. Yeah, I had a busy, busy season with my landscaping company. That's for sure. It was yeah. super busy this year. And so once you finished up your degree in, well, what was your final degree in? Anthropology. anthropology. I got an, an anthro degree, yeah. Because you wanted to be outside, like Indiana Jones. Wanted to be outside, Indiana Jones. Yeah, for sure. And so, you're done with school. I mean, you're in Laramie, going to school. I mean, it's taken some time. Um, when do you and you talk about it? When do you meet your wife? Uh, I met my wife in 2004 at Elmer Lovejoy's of all places. There you go. There you go. Take you back to you know your old haunt. Um, yep. yeah, um, met her kind of was get. I was getting back into school at that point and she's, she's like a straight A student, you know? So like on the weekends or even at night, I'd crack a beer and she'd crack a book. <laughs> and I'm like, well, if you're going to be reading, looks like, uh, I should probably read too. And after that, my GPA like went through the roof, you know, I think when I went back to school, I had a 0.9 GPA, no lie. And yeah. even after a semester of straight A's, I was still put on, uh, I was still suspended. So I had to petition again. But then I wound up graduating with a 3-2. So I uh, yanked yank those grades up. And when when I actually wanted to go to school, it was uh, easy. Yeah. College became super easy when I was like, shit, all I got to do is go to class, yeah. pay attention, either take a test or write a 20-page paper, and then, you know, walk out of here with an A. It wasn't too hard. I really, well, going to school in the 90s compared to what I saw working back in university 2003 and, and to the on, now I still work there, and seeing what students do, I'm like, oh, I'd be a much better student today than I would have back then, but I'm also experienced life and stuff. But like with video conferencing, their classes, they'd be like, oh yeah, did you guys get the PowerPoints for the year? And I was like, what? They got PowerPoints for the year, man. I'm trying to figure the shit out as I'm sitting in their class in the 90s, writing it all down, missing yeah. everything. If you would have gave me those notes, I could have just added notes to them and it would have made my life so much easier. And so I was always like, what? That's not right. I had I had one professor in school that gave you all of his, he was way ahead of his time and he's yeah. still holding the anthropology department. Um, he gave you all his PowerPoints at the beginning of the semester type thing. Nice. And if he saw you taking notes in class, he would stop class and make you stop writing notes. Cause he's like, everything on my test is going to be in my PowerPoints. He's like, I just want you to sit and pay attention. So okay. like, I don't want to see a pencil moving. And, wow. uh, yeah. He also had, he also had really cool PowerPoint presentations for 2005, 2006, like full animations. And, you know, where I was, Whereas a lot of other professors back then, because it was newer, 
Yeah. Newer tech PowerPoint was fairly new back then, where it was just like they were they would read verbatim what the slide said, you know, and that's just that's painful. Yes. So I um we would tape a lot of classes where they would so you could the, you get the VHS tape? Yeah, you get a VHS. Was this post VHS? I took a class on VHS. Yeah. It was interesting because they'd always ask me because I'd be the guy taping it for them and there's no students there. And they'd be like, what can I do to stay, keep them engaged? And I was like, don't read the stuff verbatim. That's what's on the screen. Yeah. Maybe once, but then you got to go over it again with your own personalization of it. Yeah. And I go have pictures, have, you have to engage these people, not just be verbatim. Otherwise you can just send this off in the mail, your PowerPoint, you don't even need to have the class. And so that kind of, I was like, if I was sitting here, this is what I would want. And so, and, and that's where a lot of the advice I'll give instructors is engage your students that are on the other side of that camera. Uh, like you engage someone that's just sitting right in front of you. And so it's a lot hard. It's really hard to do. And as we've learned, especially this year, uh, that's really difficult. A lot of instructors don't like it. A lot of students don't like it. Yeah. But it's, it's a different platform and it's a way to deliver stuff and it can be used great. And, and if you incorporate a lot of different meanings and as long as you keep the people on the other side of that camera engaged, you won't lose them. The verbatim stuff is just killer. And so that's awesome. Like don't take notes. Um, I had a fusion fission psychosis class. I don't know if you took that one and it was in automatic a, I couldn't remember what it recovered. It was, I think it was a writing, um, but it's like nuclear bombs, cra like crazy stuff. But all you went, oh, if you went, you got to be. But if you went to a post movie, which was on like Thursday nights and wrote a paper, you could push your grade to an A. And so uh, it was a 930 class, I, Tuesdays and Thursdays. I remember the Tuesday class was easy. The 930 on Thursdays was difficult because I bounced on Wednesday nights. I'd fall asleep all the time because he'd always show movies. But he was like, don't take notes. You don't have to take notes. You got to be, you're here. And so every once in a while, you'd have to scan in to just make sure you were showing up. That was kind of the random attendance stuff. But it was a good class, interesting class. Very interesting class, um, especially like the World War II videos of the bomb dropping on Japan. Yeah, yeah. That, that just craziness and such. Um, yeah, nowadays, I love learning. Like, oh yeah, it's weird. That I'm into it more than I ever was before because I know how to be a better student. I know what information I'm searching out, not just a blanket approach. Sure. And for me, I, like certain concepts just make more sense now. Okay. Like, I, just, I don't think, I don't think I was ready for like physics No. when I was like in high school, maybe even the first couple of years of college. But now, um, if I'm learning something, it, it, it makes more sense. I can wrap my, wrap my head around it a little bit more. You know, it's only, only taken 45 years. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> I would say that those instructors and teachers in the day, they dropped a thought bomb in my head that didn't go off until yeah. 40 years later, 20 years. Yeah. Later. yeah. And, and so science. So like you're talking like right now, 2020. Yeah. COVID. Yeah. Um, the whole concept I at the you know, last March I was reading tons of uh, articles about, uh, not not the political aspects or so, social aspects of all this, but like the actual biology of, yeah. of, of the actual virus. And that whole that whole thing is just fascinating. 
to me, you know. I was like, that, that this wouldn't have made sense to 18-year-old me. No. Uh, no, yeah. to, to see, to appreciate mm, the kind of uh, the geekiness excitement I that you hear almost in a Fosse's voice where he's like, this is just so fascinating that it has jumped across the animal kingdom and the human. Yeah. And he doesn't get anywhere in the political stuff. He hates all that, but it's interesting to hear their excitement. And I work at a university and I know lots of people that are excited by the science and, and just the process of learning and information and how it's presented and stuff that it's just so interesting that they get excited about it and, and about yeah. it's boring to us or the lame person. And so, but I've learned that um, that's what needs, and we need to listen to the experts on that situation. Um, I, I know I have enough basic science in my background from college and such to understand the process of it. But yet I, I, if I understood the teacher that taught me that it was an expert, it's not any different today. And so I, yeah. I the expert, I, I was given enough information and, and, and classes in college to trust the experts. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to trust my ACAT friends Yes, that went to school and became medical doctors. <laughs> yes. I'm going to believe them more than some YouTube video that my friend sends me. But, yeah. Absolutely. So. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, we're, we're fortunate that we got that kind of education as much as we screwed around with it in college early in our lives and such, it's paying off now in 2020. And so, so we'll go back to, you met your wife at Lovejoy's. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How long did it take before you guys got married? Uh, when did we get married? Two years later, 2006, we got married. Yeah. So yeah. And then how long before kids? Uh, 2008 was our first child and then we had our second son in 2011. Wow. Yeah. And so now that we just talked about COVID and such homeschooling was that homeschooling something you guys did together was your wife right on top of it was she be able to be was home at the same time? Or? Um no. So actually uh so last year in March when they basically canceled school for the rest of the year and had online it was kind of log in and we'll, we'll pass you type thing. Yeah. Um, luckily, both of my kids are pretty engaged in learning about pretty, we were just talking about all these geeky, nerdy yeah. things. Um, so they really didn't do much. Um, we didn't do much with them. And it's going to make, this is totally going to make me and my wife sound like horrible parents here. But um, when school started this year, my youngest, he goes every day. He goes five days a week. Okay. So he's, he's in class. Um, he's in a dual immersion program. So he learns Spanish half the day, English the other half the day. And so they do not leave their seats, essentially. So he's not traveling around to school or anything. Uh, my oldest, it's his first year at the middle school, good old Laramie Junior High. And uh, he goes live in, in person on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then Mondays, Wednesdays, he's got his virtual days. Um, it's kind of been a struggle, you know, because my wife's full-time uh, nurse. She works for the school district and at the hospital. Um, so it's a lot of like evenings. And so we kind of let our oldest just kind of, here you go. Here's the technology. Figure it out on your own. And 
for the most part, he he's doing extremely well, you know, although he's, he's got frustrations and it's mostly just not seeing his friends, you know? So it's like this social, it's the social aspect of it all that, you know, it's, that's the bummer. So. Um, I was talking to a teacher friend the other day and, and they were like, he's like, I've noticed and, and his coworkers and everything that the good students are going to remain the good students. Yeah. The, I mean, it really, the technology, if it doesn't work and, or if you don't have access, it's a whole different story. But if you're talking about everybody has the same thing, bad students are probably just as bad. They're not just going to miraculously change or get worse because of the technology. He said the good students, they're there. They want to engage. That's kind of their thing. And in the middle grade, they're going to be the middle. They're, they're, you know, they're not necessarily top or bottom, but they're there. They're engaging and stuff. But the bad students, they might show up. They might not. They might not have showed up if you were in an actual school. And he's like, so when you hear that, it's just totally destroying, you know, all these kids are just not going to be as smart next year. And they're just, it's totally killing their, their education and the social side. Yes get that he's like the education side the good students are still getting their stuff done they're still going to be valedictorians are still going to be they're the good students and they were not going to let any sort of technology slow them down they were they were they were more engaged in that and he's like so when you hear that kind of stuff it's not not as bad as they make it out to be the bad part is actual having access to virtual online access to internet access to like computers yeah and 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 live teaching because you know i think those kids that don't do so hot um they probably benefit more from actually being in class and being forced i'm gonna put quotes around that forced to engage with the teacher uh, versus you know like um my kids my oldest for example he he does well in school. I wouldn't say he's the biggest fan of school, but he like doesn't want to fail either. So, um, so he's doing fine, but yeah, I feel the kids, there are kids that I think need that engagement every day. Cause there, there might be a day that like a teacher might spark something in them. Um, and they don't have to repeat the cycle of, you know, not graduating from high school. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, like we could go down this line forever. You know, it's like, um, who knows who knows what the right answer is to do during all this I mean we we don't know and that's 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 the that's the super frustrating thing about all this I feel like we're a little more prepared especially k through 12 um not like I want to see another pandemic but also I think it opens up avenues of calling in sick again like yeah no right? snow days the, the school districts, yeah. there's no snow days now because they can just, if it dumps too much snow, well, you've got access, you've got to, we sent you home with a laptop, you've got schoolwork to do. And where we almost have class uh, cameras in every classroom in the university, we're getting close. And so it's just as easy to go, it is Zoom, and we'll have distance students too. And yeah, if you're homesick, out sick, or if you're at a conference, or if you're a playing sport, you can yep. still take class in your hotel room. So, and I think it opens up some avenues for like distance learning and such, which is 
where my background is was for a long time now IT and worry about every classroom on campus. But that those are some benefits. And we, we talked about that as well, like what some of the benefits that are coming out of COVID. And I was like, it's hard to think about. And technology has definitely pushed things forward a little bit. Um, I, maybe people will become cleaner. As far as I know, everybody's washing their hands a whole lot more. And I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> or we used to, I'm sure you've seen people too before COVID had hit where they wore a mask in public. And I thought, uh, and it was maybe just wrong. And I thought most of them were Asian and there was just poor air quality there, but they were trying not to spread their cold or their flu. It was just common courtesy in other countries. Yes. Like, hmm. That could be something here. So maybe we won't put our masks away quickly. Uh, and if we have to work and we have the cold, or we have a flu, we strap on that mask. I don't know if people will think that far forward, but it's always possibility. Uh, my, my wife brought that up the other night. Yeah. And she thinks she kind of thinks that's maybe not the majority of Americans, but you know, it's it's definitely a point now that it's like, well, I'm not feeling well. Yeah, I'm gonna put a mask on and go about my business. If I have to, like, or and also we'll get some people that are like, well, maybe I would just won't go to work and I'll stay home and not spread the like cold or flu to my colleagues like I used to. Um, yes. I do have sick time, and yeah, I never used it, and I'd be like, oh, I, I got a little cold today. I'll go in, and that's not fair to the people I work with. I never even thought about it that way, and but yet when I have students that work for me come in with a cold, I'm like, get out of here. Or like, I don't feel well. I'm like, why are you at work? Yeah. And, I just have to hold myself to that because I can easily get it done at my house. I have, um, I worked from home for a month or two over the summer. Not, it's not fun, but there's stuff I can do and, and still manage and everything. But um, yeah, I thought about that. That's going to be something we can easily turn to hopefully that, well, stay home sick, but yeah, you can still work and, or just take more sick time, which I would. Um, did you, did you ever run in, did your family, how do you guys hold up? Did you guys have any scares? Were they positives or? Uh, well, you know, my wife's a nice yeah. nurse, so she's actually dealt with COVID patients, but I think it's, you know, if you keep all these like protocols in place that the experts we were just talking about, yeah. that they advise us to do, um, I think you'll be okay. You know, and I mean, she was always washing her hands before. Yeah before all this stuff anyway. Um, so yeah, um, no, no really big scares. I mean, it's kind of, it's scary, uh, only in terms of like, I don't know if I have any underlying conditions that, that it might exacerbate. Yeah. Um, that's, that's my biggest thing. So I'm trying to avoid it at all costs. Um, and of course I've got friends, you know, on both sides and, you know, Oh, you're living in fear and it's, it's, it is what it is, you know, but I have diabetes. So I know yeah. where I have a compromised immune system, especially if my blood sugars were out of control. They're not. Um, it's kind of one of the first things I did when the pandemic started going. I was like, I got to work on my immune system, get my sleep, eat right. Yeah. I didn't booze it up like a lot of people did. Uh, I actually lost weight during the pandemic. So oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I was on my way. I was, I was realizing like protein, like 
getting a lot more protein in my life was making a big difference. And I was moving, I'm still moving around a lot. Winter, a little more different. Um, but I was like, man, I got to take care of my immune system because I don't know what it's going to do to me. If it hits me, I don't want to be in the hospital. And so that was kind of the first things first. And then I got a positive uh, result. Yeah. So, I remember you, I remember you posting something about that. So, yeah. and uh, I mean, I posted kind of my whole, um, journey yeah. through it. I might false, frame. Positive. false positive basically yeah positive on the 11th negative on the 14th uh did my quarantine uh my girlfriend owns a funeral home here so she had we slept in different rooms yep yeah masks at home um, yeah i mean until i mean we got negatives though once we got the negatives i was like all right we're done but it was a couple yeah. days and then um I remember getting a call from the state health department and they didn't have my negative reading. So they're telling me to do all this stuff for a positive. And I'm like, I had no symptoms. So I was trying not to laugh on the phone, but I was like, I'm not going to back to work. I know I, I, I mean, I'm adhered to your, the rules and everything. I can work from home. So it's not a big deal. And then I went and got the antibodies test, you know, the proper 14 days or so didn't have any antibodies. So it was basically false positive. And then I start talking to people on campus and they're like, Oh, I got tested on the 14th or the 11th and had a positive. And I think yeah, they got some samples mixed and yeah, 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 yeah. So, but they didn't go through the whole get a negative, get the antibodies. Cause I just want a peace of mind. If I got was positive and now I have the antibodies, that was the easiest like sickness I've ever been through in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At home I was able to work because I think almost a year ago this time, I swear I got COVID. Um, yeah, you, you're not alone. I mean, there's a bunch of people that I go to the gym with that swore that they all had it because it was like the worst yes. sickness they'd ever had. Of course, a couple of them, engineering students, they had been in China yes. working. And so that was like the big factor for them. Um, they all eventually wound up getting COVID because of going to the gym without wearing <laughs> masks, et cetera. But um, they're healthy kids. So they, they made it through it. But uh, there was a big group of people I knew. Like, yeah, around this time, December, early January, you know, February, they were like sick, like way sick. Well, I, I posted, I'm a file and memories pop up and I got in a car wreck because I was kind of groggy, doped up, trying to go to the store to get more stuff. So I go to work and I ran a red light and hit a car and I call it my COVID accident because looking back when I heard about all these symptoms i was like yep had that dry cough that was most painful in the beginning um because i was cigarette smoker for a long time so i know what a cough's all about and it was weird because when you get sick you should have something then yes fever came on i remember it just all coming on in a day and i was like oh i just got to get through this uh meeting with my students which i probably just infected the whole room and sure made it home. And then my boss eventually went out. So I'm sure I infected him, but, uh, I got really severely dehydrated. That was the kicker. And that started like making me sick and throwing up. And, um, now I always have Gatorade with me cause I'll never get that dehydrated again. I always got it close by as a learning lesson. And next thing I know, I hear all these symptoms of COVID and I was like, I had this, I know they say it didn't hit here till later, but Sure. In the world, 
into November, December, and we're highly international here in Laramie. Like you said, you had engineering students that were in China. So I was like, oh yeah, I'm sure it ran through Laramie and everybody was getting tested and they're like, I got tested and it wasn't the flu. They just set out an upper respiratory thing. Yeah, and that's exactly, yeah. It didn't test positive for the flu. Yeah. But they, so they didn't know what it was. Yeah, it was, uh, who, know, who knows, but you know. And so um, I'm not trying to figure out how to get it again. I'll say that. Don't get me wrong when people are like, oh, but you're okay now. Like, I'm going to yeah. stop. Wearing my-. No, I was like, no, 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 no. I never, ever in my life want to get that sick again. It was terrible. There's two sicknesses I've had in my life. One in college. Then when I lived with those football players, I swear they brought back malaria or something. <laughs> and, then, and then this one. And there they were, like, it just sticks out in my head. Like, yes, I've had the flu and I've gotten cold. Too. These were just destroyers. And I've never, I missed a week of work. And I've never missed a week of work from being sick. And so that made me go, man, I need to really adhere to, I have a whole bunch of sick hours. I need to learn how to stay home when I'm sick more and, and stuff like that. And maybe if I would, you know, someone would have stayed home sick, I wouldn't have got it. So like that, that was interesting. And I'm not trying to figure out again, I'm going to get the vaccine when I can. I believe I'm in one C rollout, which is 65 and up and then people with underlying conditions like diabetes so i'm sure i'll get a call when my next doctor visit to my diabetes doctor will probably involve some sort of vaccine i hope yeah hopefully we haven't cut back doses to wyoming like every other state it seems to be going on but that's another political side i don't really want yes. to necessarily need to get into that <laughs> i mean i've gotten a mini political talk everybody knows where i sit and i'm sure everybody knows where you probably sit on on the board of, definitely yeah <laughs> it's it's hard it, i mean we live in a very red state and and but laramie is not laramie is a really purple town probably purple. More. very purple i mean you you probably agree with me i mean some of my best friends are pretty hardcore conservatives yeah. i mean just how it goes and yeah sometimes sometimes you get in some heated conversations with them and you know other times they're, they're your, they're your best friends. So I, I will definitely say living here in Wyoming and growing up in super level Portland, Oregon and everything and living here. But if you look at how people vote in Laramie, it's pretty blue as when you look at the total numbers across the state board, I've looked at the numbers always and I'm like, we got it yeah. right. And, uh, but yet having living in the state also keeps me more middle of the boat a lot of the time, if there's such a middle anymore, um, I can see some points of view on the other side, not necessarily all, but I'm like, oh, I don't yeah. agree with that kind of, I know I'm, I'm, I'm an advocate of hunting. I don't think. Yeah, I, I, I think there, there's definitely a middle. Yeah. And, but the, the media on both, both sides, yeah. they, they just want viewers and yeah. the best way for both sides to get viewers is to scare the living crap out of their viewers saying that if you, if you don't go this way, that they're going to come take your stuff. Yeah. I mean, and both sides do it. And I consider myself to be a fairly middle of the road person. You know, I definitely, a lot of my conservative friends call me definitely a a left wing liberal, but yeah, I own guns. I hunt, Um, you know, I drive a big ass diesel truck. So, I mean, it, it is what it is. <laughs> so. 
I, I drive a SUV and yeah. my thing is, well, I don't have the means to afford again hybrid or, you know, yeah. electric, or car. An electric car and get your and house I, rewired for, yeah. to charge it. You know? and I'm like, okay, government, let's study some shit. Let's invent, let's, let's invest in some stuff so I can yeah. afford these things. That's where I think there has to be the next step that I can't necessarily take care of. And so, yeah, I try to drive a, a more full, fuel efficient vehicle, but I can't afford to be completely liberal green all the way to the sign uh, left side. I just can't afford it. But yeah, I, I'm an advocate hunter. I don't hunt, but it's all about so I don't hit him in my car, the animals. Um, sure. Yeah. Population control and such like that. And I know tons of people in Wyoming live off that meat for the year. And so I'm like, wow. And, and just the sport of it, um, hunting and, and the gear and everything's pretty fascinating to me. I never got into it because I was usually coming home at the same time people were going out hunting. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's yeah. true. <laughs> like gig and that aspect of it, but I'm always been, a, you know, about it. Um, yeah, there's some other stuff that I'm like about, but everyone, yeah, they'll, they'll pretty much say, Oh rude. Yeah. He's, you know, oh, yeah. liberal. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Well, you and I get thrown in the same boat. By, yeah. by the same people. Oh yeah, we, we won't name any names. Yeah, <laughs> right. so yeah, definitely. But we love them dearly. Yes, but keeping. But I mean, I and when I go other places, I kind of defend the Wyoming way because they yes. they all think we're totally the other side, and so I'm like, not necessarily. And I uh, got one more question. Same okay, show is called "All My Friends with Justin Flaskrud." How'd you meet me? Uh, high school. You know, and I wouldn't say we really knew each other too much in high school, just like sports circles, right? But then sometime after high school, and I was probably in some dirty haze. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you and I just, we kind of like a lot of the same music and um, gravitate around the sort, same sorts of people, right? Yeah. I mean, de definitely post high school. Yeah, sure. Did you, I can't remember, did you play on minor mural team? In high school? Yeah, did you play on uh, the Devils by chance? No, no, I was never on that. It was I was always with like, on short stuff. Okay. With like, yeah, Casey, was that Casey Woods? Casey's team? Okay. Um, and I can't remember what other team I was on. I think we tried to get you. And yeah. that we only could have X amount of... Yeah, you could have two two varsity yeah. players per intramural team. And so I was, I thought I used to have the list of the people that were on the team, and I was, I could, I wish I still did, but that would probably gave me <clears throat> an idea. I would have known not to ask that question. But I was like, I swear we may have courted you. Yeah, probably eight. did. I mean, who didn't want me on their basketball team back yeah, then? You were tall. Is <laughs> we got into a spot where I was like, I recruited so many tall people. That nobody could bring the ball up. Yeah, we'd have no yeah. point. All the like thing. Brad, Brad West bringing the ball up. Yeah, that's not good. I was like, or I had to bring up the ball. I was like, I'm some dumb football player. I'm not. Shouldn't be bringing up the damn ball. If people, we played in intramurals in high school was after uh, the basketball season was over. Usually in the spring, um, you only have two varsity players, and then uh the staff would put together a team yeah and cheat and do old man stuff it's like and playing the harlem globetrotters 
without the talent. <laughs> like anytime they would put together a student team that was just gonna could could possibly beat the staff team, they'd be like, Oh, we're gonna get Rod Tyson and we're gonna get yeah. former players. And going through their screens and you're t- skinny, tiny, short, whatever, and they're grabbing shirts and everything. And oh man, I used to get so frustrated with playing that team. And now that yeah. talking to them as friends later on in life, I'm like, you guys were so dirty. And you're like, how else we're going to win? We're like, we can't let you beat us. Yeah. Lose all respectability and all credibility. And I was like that. Yeah, that makes sense. And so, but I was like, we had some teams that could have beat them. Like Burl's team. That I'm yep. yep. Got coffee and the Walters brothers and, D. Ty and Jeremy, like that team, when you were probably what? I was probably in the ninth grade. grade? And Coffee yeah. and those guys were yeah. seniors. Yeah. Yeah, I was a junior. Like that team, I've never been dunked on by so many people in my life. Yeah. My friends. And they they could easily throw it down and they played defense. They're a good team. They probably could have, they might have beat our staff team. I think there was some, some definite rematches and such like that. But yes, we played in Reels then. Uh, it was fun that let football players like me play and stuff like that. Uh, and so, and then, but yeah, we being Laramie kids, we definitely ran the same circles come high school. I mean, come college for sure. Um, and then later as adults, I guess, air quotes, I put up um, musically, we are very well in sync on a lot of stuff. You played volleyball with us for a while. How oh, yeah. till I, my, yeah, tear the accident. Was it ACL? No, it was your... No, my Achilles. Ruptured my Achilles. Holy crap. Wow. We haven't played. I don't think we've played since. It's- oh, wow. That was the that was the straw that broke the camel's back for you guys. Yeah, well, Tia bought the funeral home. And so... Super busy. Yeah. I've always tried, like, let me have to get another team back together. And then no, and then no, and then now we're in COVID. So I was like, well, maybe another time. I still watch him play. And I go because I go to that gym, but I, I'm like, maybe I'll just jump on a team. Now that I'm lighter, I'm smaller than I was in high school. It's fantastic. Maybe I can smack the ball around, yeah, jump higher. That's what I want without blowing out an Achilles or a knee. That's what I'm worried about. Like reckless yeah. playing. It, ha- it happens quickly at our age. Yeah. That's why I don't ski again because I know I'll tear something up. And I was a really good skier at one time, but I was like, I've dodged that major injury, the major surgeries. Um, yeah. So, far. so I'm like, just do stuff that keeps you in shape, but not try to kill yourself at it. Hey, man, I want to thank you for being on the show. Yeah, Jimmy. thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. kind of nervous that once it turns 2021 in a few days that people will think the pandemic is over and we can go back to normal the virus doesn't know what day it is or what year it is or what race you are even what political affiliation you are just knows how to get you sick or maybe even kill you then spread it to everyone around you and get them sick or kill them as well If you're not doing everything you can to end this pandemic, it's on you. Stop being a shitty human. 
Now, I was thinking about the interview I did a few days ago, and I neglected to get into what Woodhouse is up to these days. He is the owner-operator of Woodhouse Lawn and Homes here in Laramie. They do everything from fences to sprinkler blowouts. You can check them out on Facebook. I think I may have a few outdoor projects for them this next summer. On to the next episode.